0: Yes, 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 yes. Hey guys, welcome to the Money Flow Trading Society's podcast, Mastering the Trade. I'm your host, Gerald Peters. Always remember, whatever you think about comes about. Whatever you focus on grows. This podcast is about you and me focusing on our money and growing our wealth. And the only way you can do that is to put your focus on it.
1: we got some breaking news this morning. It is now official, a deal that has been specul- speculated about for months. Exxon Mobil is buying Pioneer Natural Resources. This is going to be an all-stock transaction. Uh, the offering price, this is a $59.5 billion deal, which we do have a merger Monday, as Joe just mentioned. Take a look at what's been happening here. Uh, Chevron buying Hess in an all-stock deal that's valued at $53 billion. Uh, That's $171 a share, and I think that's a pretty low premium, 4.9% of a premium over the closing price for Hess on Friday.
0: Um, As I've been going through, as you should too, doing your whiteboard, if you haven't seen mine, go to thepetersreport.com, just like it sounds, thepetersreport.com. Go to page 35. You'll see my whiteboard. I would encourage you to, I used to do this in a journal. Now I do it on a whiteboard and uh, also visually it helps to share with you guys on the whiteboard. But this is so important. This is going to help you see visually what is going on uh, from a top-down perspective. You know, There's a couple ways to analyze the stock market. There's what's called bottom-up, which means you're just looking at stocks. And then there's top-down, which allows you to see the whole market. And I want to do both. Some people tend to be one or the other. It's similar to there's technical analysis, which means you look at charts and there's a lot of people that just do that. But then there's fundamental analysis where there's people who just read fundamentals. I want to do both. If there's two good tools, why do I got to pick one side or the other if I can use them all? Now, in this week, I want to bring your attention mostly, if you remember last week, if you noticed, man, we didn't have any stage threes in the money MFG portfolio. There really were no stocks running, even the ones that had been doing good, just the overall pressure of the market, it kind of kept everything down. And as expected, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I kind of, I called the bottom on Coca-Cola and a lot of other consumer staple stocks. And that's just experience knowing that these stocks a lot of these were trophy stocks the pepsis the crafts uh blackstone a lot of these stocks that ford had come down way too far go look at core uh uh, uh Back security position agnc man that thing got i called an audible next day it went lower i bought some more next day it went lower we bought some more and then boom when that thing exploded it is now back above that audible price I don't toot my own horn again, and I'm, I'm happy about it because I was able to add almost $10 a month uh, in passive income to my share count. Not a lot of shares, but listen, going forward, you're going to be doing this for the next 30, 40, 50 years. And that was just one stock that I was able to grab some shares, increase the cash flow. Man, we, I did that on at least seven, eight, nine stocks last week. Not only from that, but dividends came in from AT&T collected about $400 between Verizon and AT&T, which means because I reinvested it or what they call dividend drip, right, where you drip the dividend back in. Dividend reinvestment program is what that stands for. I was able to put another 400 into the telecom. I mean, we collect, I collected like $800 in dividends last week. I like to know each week, and if you look at the board on page 35, you're going to see where I I talk about the dividends that I have coming this week because that helps me see from the bottom up perspective. Of let's say I got two hundred or four hundred or, or five hundred or five thousand or ten thousand dollars to invest this week, whatever it is. Remember, it's fractal. Well, if I have some dividends coming in and like I had four hundred some dollars hit ATM and Verizon, well, maybe I don't need to put any money over there because my money's making money. And I can turn and focus on something like AG and C where it's cheap. A G and C's dividend's gonna hit this week. And be, you know, and the good thing is, man, the beautiful thing is my dividend, I've been trying to get it there for a minute, is now at 108 dollars. It was only it wasn't even that many months ago that I was really trying to get it from $90 to over a hundred. This next dividend is a hundred and eight dollars. All I did was buy some uh, you know shares here and there on stage ones. The next one will be even bigger. And I'm looking forward to getting to this bad boy to $200. So that's how I like to look at it. Don't look at the balance of your portfolio in these dividend stocks. Look at how much you're making in dividends. The share price will go up and down. Unless you're selling it, that doesn't even matter, right? No different than investing in a, in a, in a rental property. Who cares the price? As long as you cash flow, as long as the money you collect covers all your bills and put some profit in your pocket, that is the name of the game. Same in, in dividends. Now let's dig in. You know, you, you heard at the open. Look what's happened? Exxon Chevron dropping the bomb. Over a hundred billion dollars from these two. All-stock deals, cash. no loans. Think about that. Man, think about that. They just like, "Hey, here's 53. Exxon said, "Hey, here's 59 and a half billion. Let me get Hess. (laughs) Think about that, man.
1: Oil and gas producers Exxon and Chevron saw profits jump in the third quarter as oil and fuel prices climbed, but remain lower year over year. Now both companies turned to the task of closing major acquisition deals. Chevron purchasing crude oil company Hess and Exxon to buy shale giant Pioneer Natural. Both companies doubling down on investments in fossil fuels, despite warnings from the international energy agencies of declining oil demand or Exxon bought a
0: PDF, a PDF. sorry, and uh, Chevron dropped 50 something billion to pick up Hess. what is you know what is going on there. And what's funny is like the world is it called the World Council of whatever, whatever, one of those organizations that tend to just complain a lot. But uh, that organization. Um, has been saying you know, listen there's going to be a lower and lower and lower demand for fossil fuel oils as we go forward into the future and some people might see that as a reason to diversify or to get away from their oil investments here's the thing guys as technology progresses they can begin they can produce oil with less and less labor costs due to computers the advent of ai all of these things are allowing them to produce oil cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. We've actually seen the rate count come down, and now we're seeing the Saudi Arabians and the Russians voluntarily to lower production. Why? They want to keep that price high. man. It's the cartel. Oil stocks like Exxon and Chevron, uh, in my opinion, present an interesting opportunity here after these recent mergers. Each company spending uh, close to $60 billion in acquisition, strengthening their positions and in the Permian Basin, Exxon especially there, and in South America, which is what Chevron, it, 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 Chevron bidding for has Exxon bidding for PXD, um, and, man, just huge sums of money. Hey, I don't like oil stocks, don't like oil stocks. They got money, they got money, man.
2: What we're seeing is a trend of mergers continuing throughout the oil patch as these big producers are flush with cash and they're looking for places to invest it. Even though the International Energy Agency is forecasting peak oil demand by 2030, that doesn't mean that oil demand is gonna fall off a cliff in 2031. What these majors are looking at is, it's difficult to find new areas of the world replacing existing reserves to satisfy this demand going forward in the future.
0: And so we see Exxon and Chevron are both on a stage one. The one that I like the best here, if I was a, you know, obviously I'm not a financial advisor. I don't know your portfolio. I'm just speaking to the whole world right now. Chevron, in my opinion, has been hit the hardest. It's been really punished for this buy. It is way below the 200-day moving average, setting up on a stage one. we got the extreme RSI. we got the anchor point. We've got the trigger coming. You got everything you need as either a trader to ride that back boy, what we call the B bread and butter trade, ride it back to the 200m, or as an investor man. This is where you grab shares. Like I was just saying with Exa or AG and C, grab you some shares here, you know, whatever you can get. One, two, three, four, whatever, and and just keep doing that going forward, year after year, building out your position, building building out your dividend, growing your wealth, and increasing. Your passive income um, I personally will not be texting or buying any Chevron I have a very large position in Exxon Chevron and Conoco so I really don't see myself adding but I do plan to add to XOMO which is the options income fund while it's down because of Exxon I am going to buy some shares so I can just collect some premium on that um, What's interesting, these, these oil mergers um, represent the largest consolidation in the oil market since the 1990s when Exxon merged with Mobil and Chevron merged with Texaco to make them part, you know, the giants that we
1: see today. And so with that in mind then, especially when you have a backdrop of, of geopolitical tensions, a lot of wonders about China's demand picture as well, is this the right move at this time?
2: Well, I think these major oil companies are feeling this is the place where they get the best return on their investment, and it's in an area that they know what they're doing. For example, Exxon is buying Pioneer, and Pioneer has very good acreage throughout the Permian Basin, and Exxon is going to use its improved technology to get more oil out of the ground in conjunction with that acreage to make that investment pay off.
1: And I mean, so with that, with that in mind, then, when you talk about the future of fossil fuels, obviously, you see a lot of companies also still making investments in green and clean and green energy then. So what does that mean for the future of fossil fuels, not just demand, but also on the supply side? And, and who's really going to be buying this? Well, the supply side is really
2: the difficult thing to come up with. The uh, Most supply reserves are really in the Middle East or in Venezuela. And, and several other countries where US oil majors and other integrated majors would rather not invest. Uh, while we go forward and we talk a lot about clean energy, the question is, can clean energy be delivered to the consumer at a cost effective price compared to fossil fuels? Fossil fuels are going to continue to grow in demand in places like India, Southeast Asia, Latin America or Africa, that certainly don't have the infrastructure, if you will, to support uh the rollout of electric vehicles in a grand way as they're still wrestling with providing electricity for day to day consumer needs in their homes.
0: A couple things here to think about <clears throat> um they were talking about demand coming down, and yeah, that's a possibility, especially as we get into twenty thirty and there's more electric car chargers, right and so remember at the beginning of the podcast i was talking about there's such a thing and then go look this up there's top down analysis this means and that's what when we rank the seven indexes or the wind the s&p 500 the dow the q's oil bonds uh uh bitcoin as and gold as we rank those you know big 7 there um that's top down analysis I meaning we're looking at the index as a single stock so whenever you hear people saying you know what do you think the economy's going to do or what do you think the stock market's going to do um and, and you know most amateurs too because they're just used to index fund investing so the, everyone sees it from a lot of people tend to see it from a top down well if the economy's going to do bad then all stocks are going to do bad and that's just not the case so we yes we want to look top down because that is the win so to speak, if you're in a sailboat, you need the wind at your back. And we know if it's against us, then the wind is in our face, right? So that's going to make things more difficult. And if uh, you know, if we look up on our ranking and we got oil number one, it probably means there's not a lot of deals in the oil stock. But if we look and we see gold or say bonds or technology, whatever, the cues, are number seven. That tells me that most of the deals, and if you heard this analyst talking to it, Exxon and Chevron were like, "What's the best use for our money right now, rather than just sitting on money?" And so, you know, they're they're looking at it from bottom up, meaning they're not paying attention to this in twenty thirty, where you know demands. That's not what they're looking at. They're looking at like, "What's the best use for our money right now?" That's bottom up. So as I look across the stock market, same thing. It's like, okay, I look top down through the seven indexes. Now I need to look bottom up. And that's what stage ones are about, stage threes, the growth stocks, the breakouts, the B&B, okay? So just because the SPY is going down doesn't mean I stop buying stocks. But I do need to be aware that the overall trend or the overall wind is to the downside. Do a little study on that so that you understand that concept. I and mean, some people purely are top-down analysis. That is most of the news, totally top-down. And top-down is you need to do it but don't give up on the bottom up. So as I'm a bottom up guy mostly. And so as this guy's talking, I'll tell you what he said China. You know, she said or she said China, the demand may go down. Immediately my brain said FXI, that is the Chinese index. If your brain didn't say that, you're not you're not you're not where I'm at. You know what I mean? Like your brain should immediately think that. I also thought CLIP, which is the options income on the Chinese ETF. I don't buy individual Chinese stocks because I don't believe them, but I do follow the index top down. But bottom up, whenever she was talking, I'm thinking – she mentioned China. My brain immediately goes FXI and CLIP because those are the two that I'm playing China with. And then she mentioned electric cars. Well, my brain immediately said Tesla. It immediately said TSLL. That's one of our, our swing or position trades you could do either, and it's leveraged one5 Meaning the moment she said that, I thought electric cars, TSL, you might say Rivian or however that stock is. And then I thought Ford. Ford's getting into that game, right? And then, of course, my mind drifted, and I thought Lyft for a second as she's talking As I think, well, this is indirectly by the year 2030 going to affect Lyft because if we go to more and more electric cars and Ford's manufacturing them, Tesla's manufacturing them, I just kind of see – Uber and Lyft going to more and more electric cars. So as they're talking, my brain is wandering because I'm doing bottom-up analysis to say, hey, what they're saying, how does this affect different stocks? I hope that hope you get that. And then I begin to think, well, what about penny stocks? As they're talking right there about oil, I then go, well, what about penny stocks? We got CHPT. We got Plug. And like they talked about, the infrastructure is not there yet. Well, these stocks are directly related to the infrastructure. And if there's ever going to be infrastructure, these stocks are probably going to prosper from that process. And so that's a combination of top-down analysis and then bottom up is like what stocks would prosper in that environment. And then they mentioned India, Asia, Latin America having a growing need that they don't have the infrastructure to, you know, put in all these electric cars and plug in. They don't have that. So there's going to be a growing need still in those countries. And so you need to realize the S&P 500, these oil stocks, these big blue chips, the Starbucks, Starbucks earnings recently reported. It was a BNB. It was on my BNB list. It was on my homework list. That was a trade as well, right? You don't need to run filters and scans to find stocks to trade. We're tracking a good hundred every day. And go look at Delta right now. Delta is setting up for not only a trade, but to buy as a buy and hold investor. So again, like top down and bottom up, they go together. Or technical analysis and fundamental analysis, they go together. Right? These things go together. Right? So as you listen to news, think outside a box of what they're saying. What else is going to be affected by oil? Now, not to drag this out, but to answer that question, so again, Yes, as oil demand comes down, technology will replace the labor and and you know what, they may actually make more money with less demand. That actually could happen. And I'll give you an example of cigarette stocks. We own MO, I own PM, and I was going to pick up some British one, but I I missed the move on that. <clears throat> but you know, there's only so much money, but I was watching it and I was right and it did go up. So that's cool. But I own, I don't know, I've got like forty-five, fifty thousand 50000 in MO, which is Altria, and PM. And if you saw, Altria got hit hard because smoking use continues to decline. And if you just read that frontline headline, you're like, oh, well, why would I own a company that's producing a product for a declining uh, market segment? And it's because, guys.
1: And of course, one of the notable moves we saw this week, um, Warren Buffett up in his bed in Occidental Petroleum. What's your take on that, especially given how energy has fared so far this year? Well, certainly it's a
2: bet on price. Occidental is a huge producer here in the United States and its stock price is really gonna follow increases or decreases in crude oil and natural gas prices. And Warren Buffett is saying, you know, oil demand is gonna continue into the foreseeable future. And while it might be declining here in the US or have been peaked, the world continues to require more and more oil. And you do see that in the short term with the International Energy Agency forecast for increased demand this year and next year, as well as OPEC, OPEC Plus's uh, forecast for increases in demand over the next few years.
0: If you've ever seen a cigarette factory or if you've ever seen a Tesla factory, there's no people. <clears throat> so they don't have the labor costs. That other companies have. They don't have the 401k cost and the medical costs and all that. They're able to manufacture their product with robots that don't complain and work 24 hours a day. And so as, as yes, as they have declining use of their product, they're actually increasing their marginal return by continuing to, they are a tech company. They continue to develop. Oil companies are tech companies. I assure you they're using AI and the latest of all technology. So don't forget that. And don't forget also Campbell's was a tech company of its day. I mean, figuring out how to put food into a can so people don't get sick. Now that's not technology, but they are using technology. And so as technology expands, these companies are going to benefit from it. So make sure you stay on top of that. You know, Don't be the guy that's like, oh, I'm too old to understand AI. I'm just not going to pay attention. That is just fucking dumb because it's going to come, okay? And all the people that do the not pay attention thing, these are broke people. Okay. These are the people like that are truck drivers now and they're not paying attention that in the next ten years they probably won't even have a job. And they're gonna fight it. And one person was the guy that bought a hundred horses for his carriage business as they were coming out with uh, uh trains and motorized cars. And he fought it. You know, you'll see that today. I see people fighting it to make cabs because, like, cabs are a local business. Well, the driver for Uber is a local person. And and we, as we go forward, guys, whether people like it or not, we are moving forward into a decentralized society. And we're going to move to a society where ownership isn't really a like software. You're not going to own software. You're not going to own a lot of these things. You're going to lease them or rent them online. There's going to be a time where we're just – most some people aren't even going to have cars. At some point, they're going to have a subscription-based model on Uber and Lyft, and 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 you'll just have unlimited. You know, you'll pay say four or five hundred a month, and you'll just have unlimited uh, uh, access to an Uber or Lyft, and then you'll just pay for immediate pickup. Meaning, like you you have access to the thing, but it's going to say say be 10, 20 minutes. Well, if you pay an extra five bucks, we can you know we'll bump you to the front of the list. That is coming. And it's coming where there won't even be drivers in there, okay? So that was why I was so excited about Uber and Lyft, because I could see that. And here's another tip. Uh, I was at a bar last night, and I asked the person uh, that I was talking to. I said, do you have Uber on your phone? They said, yes. Everyone I asked said, yes. You don't have to be a stock genius to realize if everyone in a fucking America is using a service even if they just have it to use it sometimes there's like 400 million people (laughs) and there's over a hundred million people that use uber every month and when i started buying it it was 40 million and then 50 million and then 60 million we still only have like a fourth of the population this company is going to continue to grow and expand you got uber freight uber boats and uh, it's just going to keep going and going they got they're adding advertising there are so many symbiotic relationships with this app and Uber and Lyft that to me, it's just amazing. Okay. That doesn't mean I'm going to go sell all my stocks and go all in on Uber, but I do have, if you've ever, you know, I love Howard Marks and Howard Marks talks about, listen, we can't time the market. We can see things. We can use our experience. And and what what Howard teaches is like, listen, stay in the market all the time. Because there's nothing worse than being wrong and it goes up without you. That is catastrophic. Owning it and it just goes down, that is not catastrophic. Getting out and it leaves you can fucking ruin you. You will never catch it, never get that time back. So you can't take, make decisions that can ruin you, especially when you actually don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And that is most people that have opinions that I see when I start talking to them. They're doing top-down analysis and they really don't have an education behind that decision that they're making. Don't do that. Okay, that's detrimental. You should never come all out of the stock market. I'm ter- I can't emphasize enough how stupid that is. You will pay a dear price. So what Mark says is if you see some things setting up with new money or with profits, you can wait positions. And that's what the money flow is all about. As we see stage ones, right now oil which is the theme of this podcast, Chevron, Exxon are front and center. And again, I don't pay attention to news, right? But I can read it and I can see it, but I don't need to trade on news. Like running out and buying Chevron because of that news was not the play. The play was let it happen, let it go into a stage four decline, let it set up, let it go stage one, this news came out 13 weeks or three weeks, whatever it was, you know, uh, three weeks, four weeks ago for Exxon, and then last week for Chevron, and it's just now setting up on a stage one. So the money flow was right there for you, and honestly, you did not even need to see the news, but now as I take in the news, I can read why they're doing it, and I can look, okay, in my portfolio, what, what is my position in oil? So add up the value of all your oil stocks. I did it here on my story a second ago. I included ET, MPLX, and ETRN because these are you know directly tied to the oil sector, the, the pipelines, and there's shippers, there's pipelines, there's refiners, there's gas stations, and there's the big, the big cap producers. And then there's drillers and there's service companies. You can go down and down and down. It's frankly, you can take this all the way down. And I would encourage you to, when certain sectors set up, you might do that. And if you notice, sometimes I do that. Like, okay, in my buy and hold, I'm going to add this. In my swing trade account, like say Tesla, I might buy some regular Tesla. And then in my swing trade account, I want to trade TSLL because the price is cheaper and it's leveraged. Does that make sense? And then in my buy and hold or you know, maybe in my uh, uh, account that I'm willing to take some chances in, I might buy Tesla TSLY because that pays a 57% yield. And so see how I covered Tesla. I bought the regular stock for buy and hold. I bought the leveraged uh, 1.5 TSLL for trading or swing trading. And then to generate income, I might pick up some TSL one. And so that's bottom up analysis. Seeing that stock stage one. Why is it a stage one reading on it? What are the more than one ways we can play this? So anytime. You hear something on the news or you hear a stock your brain should start running all the different angles and ways of this so if if if, if fuel prices are high how does that affect delta airlines you go. You i mean all these things are interconnected man so 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 think on this i didn't mean to go so long um um and we talked about these oil mergers. These are a big deal because the last time we saw this in the oil space was in the 90s when, when we talked about already that Exxon took over Mobil. When I was a kid, mobile was a big deal. It's merged into Exxon. And then Texaco. We used to see Texacos all the time. Those are both cool companies too, by the way. If you go read up on them, some interesting stuff there. And Texaco was taken over by Chevron. And here a while back, we saw ConocoPhillips. It spun off. The gas station side, refining side of its business, which was PSX, which was Philip 66. And I made a catastrophic mistake. Anytime a company does a spinoff or a buyout, on one side of the deal, you're either going to get money or free shares. We just saw it with AT&T. They spun off Warner Brothers, who owns HBO. I still own that stock. Well, Conoco spun off and, and did Philip 66 like a dipshit. I sold it. But I think about five or six of my stocks are actually free or spinoffs from other companies. Often, both of those do good. So I like to keep the spinoffs. Read up on them. I wait. No rush. I wait for the next stage one, and I start to build them up. Man, I, I really do hope all this helps. Um, I'm going to post the uh, my whiteboard here later. I'm not going to get too much into it here because we talked a lot about um, – about, um, These oil stocks, I do want to mention that Warren Buffett has been increasing his position in Oxy, which he was doing all last year, too. But now he's doing it again. (laughs) Why do you think he's doing it again? Well, look, they came down. And and, and the way Buffett buys stocks isn't the way most people do it. If you've ever studied his Coca-Cola trade, he started buying shares in 1982, and he continued to buy them until 1989. He spent seven years whenever the stock would pull back, whenever the market would sell off, normal market corrections happen twice a year. These are normal movements of 5, 10, 15, 20% pullbacks are completely normal. As they would do that, he would take advantage of that and he took him 7 years, but he eventually got like 1.2 billion dollars into Coca-Cola over a 7-year period and then he stopped buying. This is exactly what I do. I don't necessarily do it for 7 years, but what I do is I start buying and i instead of a year time frame, I do it on a dollar time frame. so when I hit certain amount of money, whatever that is for your account, you know originally when I started it was like two thousand five hundred dollars that way, I could spread money around to other positions and other and as I began to do that and build it out, some of those positions went from two thousand five hundred to like five thousand and so you know as I got more and more positions that were five thousand, I started to raise my level and then I would you know some of those ones that were 2500 when i started maybe they ran up now the value was say 4000 and then they pull back and it falls to say 3200 and it's a new stage 1 it's a new stage 1 and when i would go research it on sundays you should be checking the value of your stocks in the stage 1 and if they're overvalued don't buy them obviously even though they're stage 1 if they're undervalued you know see how that fits into your portfolio as a position size and and uh, then I I would start buying again, it, and so you know here it is thirty two hundred dollars. It's a stage one. Maybe I get five or six hundred dollars in there. And now I got like four G's, and when it runs, it breaks that five thousand, and all of a sudden now I got stocks in the six seven thousand dollar range. Well, fast forward this now, you know my level is when it when they hit ten grand and I just kind of leave them alone. You know once I got ten or twelve thousand in there, I'm not usually looking to add. What I do then is I look for symbiotic relationships. So right now, I really like Chevron. Conoco did not come down and to be honest, Exxon did not come down much, you know, but if you were trying to accumulate those now would be the time. But as for me, let's say I had already accumulated Exxon and Conoco in the previous oil sell-off. well now I'm going to target Chevron and that's how over a 5, 10, 15, 20 year period. You'll end up with AT&T and Verizon, McDonald's, Starbucks, and Wendy's. You'll end up with, you get what I'm saying? It's not one or the other. It's all of them at the right time as I use charts, as I use fundamental analysis, as I use top-down and bottom-up analysis. Hey, man, I really, really do appreciate you guys being here. I know I went for a bit. Um, Get on these, check out these oil companies, man. If you don't have oil in your portfolio, I would say you're fucking up. This is a major part of the economy. You need to get some oil. Right now, I really, really like Chevron. I also think it's setting up for a nice trade for my swing trading friends and uh, you know, day trading. I mean, you could, I guess, because it's setting up. You can day trade anything that sets up correctly. But uh, as you know, I like to day trade the TQQ often on the one minute. Man, we killed it last week. I made 4,000 points. A point can be any value you want to give it. You could trade where every penny is $10, or every penny is $100, or every penny is $1,000. And you could have made $4,000 last week, 40000 or $4 million. The market can take all the money that you have. If- all right, man. All right. Thanks for listening to the Money Flow Trading Society's podcast. Mastering the trade. I really 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 appreciate it Share it with a friend man. I'm just trying to help people get ahead trying to get you fired up about the stock market Listen if you ain't fired up about the stock market or the real estate market You better get fired up about being broke because that's what you're gonna be your whole life And I believe that anybody regardless of age race financial situation or handicap can become Rich, and if not rich, financially independent in the next seven to 10 years. Hey, I'm Gerald Peters. If you'd like to help me, man, leaving a comment would be a good one. Sharing would be a good one. Clicking like on a post would be a good one. Damn, those things are free. If you can't do that, you're just greedy. But also listen on Instagram, I have this uh, a direct way you could help me. That's super cool on Instagram. They have exclusive content behind a paywall. So paid subscriber, mine is nine ninety nine a month. Try to show some cool shit. Try to show some things. Some of it'll be overlaps from the money. It's not, it's not part of the money flow trading society. That money just goes directly to me. I don't even have to show stocks. I can show whatever I want. But usually I do show what's on my mind, my best stock picks, what I'm looking at in crypto, me and the wife, me and my friends. I'm out partying, um, all that kind of stuff, man. Cause listen, I'm fifty three now. I'm a multimillionaire. You know, I clicked almost $200,000 a year passively, and I'm still out here hustling, still trying to work. I'm trying to make half a million a year, man, without employees. I'm trying to get rich. I don't know what you're trying to do. And, hey, I want to help you do the same. Jesus said, we're two or more gathered. There's power. So why don't you help me, man? Let me help you. Again, one way you can help me, go to my Instagram at FullAuto11. I'd love to have you. Let me know you heard it on the podcast and that you're doing it. Shit, I might have something free for you. And I always, I always, 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 always answer any questions by anybody that is on that. Or anybody inside of the Money Flow Trading Society. If you're not, man, come trade in our Discord. Hey, don't don't join the Discord unless you want to get fucking rich. If you're, if you're kind of lazy and you're not really into stocks and you're kind of bullshitting, you won't like the environment. Because we kind of demand That you get good at the stock market, you buy some real estate, you get out of debt, and you get your family rich. That is the commandment of the Money Flow Trading Society. God bless.